we want to make sure we have that rock solid so the distributors and the farmers can all use it. And it's not a nuisance. It's a piece of equipment that's valuable. Global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the podcast. Rod here at A Better Way to Farm, where we help growers increase yields and improve profits. All things ag are exciting to us, and I am super excited about our program today. We're going to dive right into it. Those of you who follow us on our different platforms know that Karen and Kayla and my wife, Sheila, are all very much a part of this, and we're always looking for things to bring you guys to bring value or things of interest. And Karen came across today's episode. I just want to give her all the credit. I'm super lucky. I have an individual here. He is from the Rise Corporation. His name is Mick Kowips, and Mick is the founder, I believe, of this whole deal. So, Mick, before we start in talking about the questions here, let's talk about you. Tell us a little bit about you, your journey, how you landed in this position. Well, thanks for having me, Rod. Really appreciate it. Well, so I, I am the CEO and founder of Rise Aero Technologies. So about a year ago, a little probably a year and a half ago, we started talking about building an ultralight aircraft. My my team of investors and my team of engineers, we are aerospace people. I'm a private pilot, and we do a lot of innovative electric technology. We've done electric uh, automotive. We've been in that world. But more recently, we've been in the aerospace field building air taxi systems, and we wanted to do something different. We wanted to bring aviation to everybody, essentially, and we started with this ultralight project. So it has to be a vehicle that falls under CFR or 14 CFR, Part 103. So if you go to the beach and you see, you know, the parachutes with a guy in a lawn chair and a push uh, motor behind them, you know, running down the road, that's actually the class of aircraft we're in, but we're significantly more complex. My team is an aerospace engineering with a high experience and PhD from NASA and fluid dynamics. And so we built a six electric propulsion, electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicle. So we wanted to do it just to to build it, and we wanted to bring aviation to everybody. But when we got going with it, we started thinking about it. We wanted to pick a good market to work with, a vertical, where we thought they could use this and really get a lot of value out of it. And as we started investigating the agricultural, the farming, ranchers, vineyard operators became a very quick market that we identified as being the perfect people. You know, when we started it, and I was really scratching my head about, you know, we could sell this to everybody, but we weren't ready to do that. We don't want to do that in the first few years. We want to find people who have a purpose to use the vehicle, Rod. And so farming is is really where we started. Who better to use the technology than the people who were first to satellite imagery, first to GPS and autonomy and vehicles, first to really use drones in a way that's meaningful. And the farming community really, you know, you talk about biochemical analysis and the seeds and fertilizer and all the different herbicides. You know, who is more advanced than farmers in the United States and who cares more about, you know, doing things the right way and who can take care of equipment better than farmers? So we decided to build this vehicle 
and target the agricultural community to see what the purpose would be and how they would use it. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate that, Mick. And uh, those of us in ag, we appreciate the people who come with innovation and new ideas. And new ideas are always um, met with some resistance at first, and then pretty soon they're accepted. And that's always interesting to see how that works out. So let me ask you a few questions here about it so we can tell the people more about what you do. Tell me exactly what the thing is and what it does. Sure. So it is an ultralight aircraft, and that means it's a single occupant. It weighs 285 pounds. It can travel up to but no faster than 63 miles an hour. It can take off on land and on water and land on water, so it can take off and land both uh, land and water. It's really meant for the usage uh, for short hops, but at high rates of speed. So it can travel 25 minutes or 25 miles, uh, so really 10 miles out, 10 miles back on any trip. It's got redundant modules for the propeller systems. It has a removable rechargeable battery, so each pod has its own battery pack, kind of like an Ego or Greenworks lawnmower, and you can pull it out and you put them in charging stations and you can put another set of batteries in so you can keep flying and keep going but it can hold up to 250 pounds. It can fly in any airspace where aircraft are allowed to fly as long as you follow the rules. It really is designed for safety, simplicity, and reliability. So if one motor goes out, the other five continue to keep you flying. They're going to get you to the ground. But you can go pretty fast. It hovers. It can move from left to right. It can pivot. It has two joysticks that very much operate similar to like a uh, any backhoe system that most farmers would be familiar with or any tractor with the backhoe. So we made it as simplistic to use as possible, just a very light frame system and uh, easy move and easy to use. That's cool. So talk to us, what's your feedback and interest been from the farming community so far? I know you've been at several farm shows. Talk to us about the feedback and the interest level there. Yeah, so we were out of farm progress first. And we really didn't know what to expect, but, you know, we ended up getting best of show, and we flew. So every one of these shows, we go, and we fly at them. We grab a field out in the demonstration areas, and we go zoom around the field and fly so people can see it up close and personal. And really, the response has been incredibly positive. You know, when people walk in the booth where we have just a version of it sitting on a pedestal, you know, they often look at it, they look at the specs, and they're like, what can I do with it? You know, the general idea is, you know, crop scouting to be able to get from point A to point B as the crow flies. And, you know, they really come up with their own use of spot spraying, you know, high-definition imagery to be able to get to the center of an irrigation system when the crops are getting high, to be able to push back the canopy a little bit and see down in something a drone generally can't do. And, of course, you know, attaching high-definition imagery infrared imagery, being able to do color coding for soil and stalk and leaf analysis, identifying funguses. We have a full API structure. So they see the immediate use from that perspective. But, you know, when you really look at it, you know, when I talk to all these farmers, one of the things I always note is farmers don't always value their time because you can work hard and get a lot done. And, you know, the conversations we always come back to are, wouldn't it be nice to be able to get to places that are hard to get to more quickly, you know, maybe even a little more fun, but really to be able to get to those places in rougher terrain 
or across crops that are difficult to get to without having to compact so much crop and do it quickly. And that's what this really allows you to do. And I think, you know, people who've got decent-sized farms, they see the benefit immediately. And so that's kind of been the feedback has been I can really see the value in getting places I currently can't get to easily. I see the value in being able to work it along a fence line to be able to go quickly, you know, on large fencing areas to be able to repair the fences, just to be able to look above the fences or above the crops. And with livestock, that's been a whole other conversation, uh, the ability. And we have someone using it with livestock and locating livestock much more quickly in rugged terrain. So it's, uh, it's been really a positive experience and feedback in the community. Nice. Well, talk to us. What do you feel the impact is going to be on the ag markets and what impact is air mobility going to have in rural communities? It's a great question because, you know, I think, you know, we've had crop dusting, we've had drones. You don't want to have to be a pilot, right, to be able to go places. You want to be able to just get there. You don't want to have to go through all that training. With with this vehicle, you do not have to be a pilot. So the fact that anybody can get in it, we can train them. And really, I've trained people in 15 minutes. You know, realistically, it's an hour's worth of training to go through the security But I think the impact in the community is going to be able to get places more quickly, more easily. To me, that's the biggest one is the time savings in the community. And there's an element of fun to it for sure. But I think the ability to be over top of a crop, and we've done this, you know, we've sat over six-foot crops. And to be able to, to sit there perfectly still in a vehicle that's just hovering above that crop and be able to blow it back a little bit and see what's going on down inside, especially in an area where yield seems to be lower or an area where coloration seems to be unusual, it's a huge difference. But I think the biggest thing really is the ability to get places without compaction. And, you know, people oftentimes forget, you know, that soil's a living organism, right? And to be able to reduce that soil compaction is important. But more so, it's about not damaging the crops. You know, if you go and you drive out in Iowa, especially when we were driving out the farm progress or even down through the cotton fields down in Georgia, you know, the compaction that occurs just to get the trouble spots can be half a mile to a mile long. And to be able to reduce that is a huge factor, I think, on the farmer. The fact that they don't need a pilot's license, I think they're going to find more utilization out of it and more daily utilization out of it than maybe what they do with drones. Because, you know, the drone is great. It serves a really valuable purpose. And, you know, spray drones to, you know, imagery drones are all great, but they don't get you there. And I think this added value is going to be a time saving. It's not waiting for imagery stitching to occur. But to be able to actually check something in a moment's notice, to be able to pull it out of the barn, hop in it, and be able to get there. I think from a community perspective, I think you're going to see it become as ubiquitous as the ATV or as the pickup truck in some case. <laughs> That's awesome. It's the new ultimate ATV. So talk to us. What do you feel like are the jobs or the areas within farming or agriculture that you anticipate the recon to be the most effective and advantageous? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I always tell tell everybody when we come to these shows that, you know, I'm an aviator. I'm not a farmer. 
And I had a small 20-acre horse farm. That's about what I know. But what I do know is that I had a lot of implements that had to fit onto my tractor in order to do the things I wanted to do for, you know, bale and hay, cutting crops, doing different things. And I think what we've tried to do is build a vehicle uh, with an open architecture such that you can attach, you know, different kinds of technology to it. So whatever it is you think is most valuable to you and your area, your farm, your biggest concern, hopefully you'll be able to do it with it. And I don't know what those really are going to be. I mean, like I said, I think point A to point B easily and quickly is going to be the big factor. You know, what you do when you get there, what you do along the way is really going to be up to you to decide, and we'll help you get there. But as a startup company just really getting into the space, it's easy for me to say, well, I think, you know, imagery, we're going to put imagery on the bottom. We have put imagery on the bottom, and we can but I don't know if that's going to affect Farmer B the same as it did Farmer A. They might just need it to really get out because they've got an irrigation system that needs to be fixed or maybe, you know, irrigation lines that are spraying leaks all the time and it just makes it so much easier to get out there, unlike a drone, to be able to actually go see it, stop, and fix it because it gets it done more quickly. So I don't know. Cool. I think it's going to be an individual need from that perspective. Absolutely. And I think... You know, as I just said here, and I think about all the things to the livestock guy who's ranching over big areas, I think it would be a tremendous boost in an attempt to find those cows and cover that entire ranch. What does it feel like to fly this thing? What does the farmer and the rancher expect when they get into it? And what does it feel like to be flying it? Yeah, it's a great question. I'd love to have you come and fly it. When you first get into it, you know, you've got propellers. You know, aviation is not to be taken lightly. You know, as when you go and you do private pilot, general aviation, you know, there's a lot of rules, a lot of concerns, you know, take it seriously. We've tried to make this as simple and as safe as possible from a technology perspective. But when you actually sit in it, everything changes, right? You know, you're the one hopping in that seat, pulling down, you know, the windscreen, and now you've got to say, take off. And the second you press that button to take off and you pull the stick back and move it to center, the propeller starts spinning, and, you know, at 1,800 RPMs, you know, it can be a little intimidating when they first start spinning for you. The second it gets off the ground and it starts moving you into the air, you're not doing anything. Keep in mind, this is simplified vehicle operation. So you can literally let go of the sticks, and it takes you off to about 8 feet, and it stabilizes even in wind, and you don't have to touch anything, and it says, okay, what do you want to do? You know, you want to go forward, backwards, sideways. By the time you get to that point, you forget about the propellers. You forget that you're in a flying vehicle, and you just want to start flying. You want to push that thing forward, and you want to go because it's exhilarating. You know, some people like to go high. Some people like to go straight. Some people like to go sideways, and some people like the ability to be able to pivot quickly, you know, to, to turn on the axis quickly. So for everybody, it's about what you enjoy. Of course, there's always going to be people who are going to say, you know, that's not for me, and that's okay too. But most people, I can tell you that I have not really had very many people come down and not want to get back in it. Most people come down and go, that was awesome. I can't wait to get back in it. Because <laughs> it is. It's just it's fun. It's just fun 
you know, the purposefulness of it on top of it is really meaningful to be able to precisely land where you want to be, to be able to head out over that crop, to see it from above. It's just a different perspective. It's almost, you know, otherworldly when you hop in it like that. But then to be able to put it down next to a fence somewhere you wouldn't have been easily able to get to or, you know, at an irrigation line that wasn't easy to get to, it's almost surreal. So I got to tell you, it's most people get in it, and even if they're just flying it in our parking lot to give it a try, they can't wait to get back in it again. Awesome. I'm sure there's a real thrill to be able to do that. What are the dimensions of one of these? Once you purchase it, you know, because we have guys out here that farm over 100-mile radiuses, and obviously they wouldn't fly from here to the farm 100 miles out. Can they haul it on a trailer, take it to that other farm and use it, and then bring it home? You can. It fits on a standard flatbed trailer, um, a 9-foot by under 8-foot trailer, so it's pretty easy to travel. Like I said, if you pull the battery packs out of it, two people can lift it easily, but it comes with a set of skateboard a wheel system that allows a single operator to put it up on wheels and to be able to move it easily as a single person. And, yeah, you can certainly throw it up on a trailer. It won't fit in a pickup bed, but it'll fit on the back of a flatbed trailer pretty easily. Nice. What's the development progress been like, and what's next for you guys? So in the last, really the last year and a half, what we've really been doing is focusing on the aerodynamic system efficiencies, making sure that it's, you know, 100% safe, working through tutorials and the operational process, you know, making sure that it's stable. And if this goes wrong, what happens? How does it resolve itself? What happens when you have a degradation of system? That's been really, really important, and that's rock solid. And and, um, we're really happy with all of that. What the second year of the project really has been is to converting it from a prototype into a production vehicle. Because what happens, you know, we've all seen it with electric pickup trucks and everything else where you see a bunch of prototypes, but it never makes it to market. So what we've really been focusing on is the bill materials, the manufacturable to be able to make 3,000 of these a year. So we've changed our frame structure from a 6061 aluminum frame to an advanced carbon fiber Kevlar frame that's easily manufactured, really locking down the parts, the components, the connectors. It should be easy to maintain that a farmer can say, hey, you know, my motor isn't working or whatever. It's four bolts and a single connector. Pull it off, go to your local distributor, and they'll give you a new one, and you can come back and put it on. So it's really been about making it be like a piece of farm equipment they're used to having. That's really been a huge part of our focus where a lot of people don't think about that because I did have a tractor and I knew what it was like to have to deal with my hydraulics all the time. You know, (laughs) I I, kind of have a feel for this has got to be something a farmer can maintain and not have to think too much about because they've got other things to do. And so that's really what year two has been, getting to the point of productivity, which is why we're waiting until late second quarter of 23 to put it to production. We want to make sure we have that rock-solid so the distributors and the farmers can all use it. And it's not a nuisance. It's a piece of equipment that's valuable. Well, and I think simplicity is key, and that sounds like, you know, that you guys have nailed that down. And I appreciate that because that's going to make it a lot easier for the end user to take and run with. So, Mick, as we go about here, I'm sure by now everybody's going, this sounds really cool. What's it going to cost? So let's talk a little bit about the pricing structure. 
Yeah, so the price point is $150,000 a unit, and it comes with a battery pack, a charging center, and it comes with maintenance and everything you need to be able to operate, your weather station, your communications. There are service fees associated with it, similar to a drone in a lot of cases because of network communications. For the most part, it's a $150,000 one-time fee, and then you can work through your local distributor, which we're still working on building out our distribution network. We'll sell the first 100 direct, but after that, we'll, we'll be working with distribution channels. So yeah, $150,000 for the unit. We're still working out the details of the warranty on it, but it'll be a pretty good warranty. Batteries last about four and a half years. They're pretty reliable. You can get extra sets of batteries. We think the price point of that's going to be somewhere between twelve and 15000 for an additional set of batteries and an extra charging station. So, you know, comparable to your Cedar and cost point. So, you know, it's a higher price point. It's not meant for little farms. I mean, they can get it, but it's really meant for people who've got a little ways to go where it's a little bit more complicated to get there. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking here out loud, I foresee that people could take this and build a business doing crop scouting with it, build a business doing imagery with it for other people in a way that might be very advantageous to the end grower, you know, but somebody as a middleman, do you foresee that? Is that one of your goals or how do you feel about that? Well, so the complexity of this, you know, when we talk about drones and there's a lot of drone services, you know, because farmers don't want to have their own drones. And so they have, you know, co-ops that are handling the drones or, or just um, a third-party company that's doing those services for them. And that works in the drone world. The problem is Part 103, not Part 107, but the Code of Federal Regulations for the ultralight is written a little differently. They didn't design the specification for ultralight to be a service fee vehicle. And so they kind of frown upon that, believe it or not, as a commercial use. You as a farmer can use it on your farm for your own commercial business, but for a third-party sales service, they actually do not actively allow that. You could get it potentially, but you'd have to get an exception from the FAA. Again, we're the manufacturer, but you know we require everybody to follow the rules just like the drone manufacturers require you to follow the rules. It actually is, I don't want to say forbidden, it's frowned upon in the rules. Well, staying within the regulations is always better. I, I always have this rule or this idea that I run my life by, if it has initials like IRS, FDA, FTC, I really prefer to never have contact with them. And so <laughs> I, that has served me really well to stay out of the scope of their purview and go from there. So, well, I, I appreciate your time, Mick. Do you have any closing comments that you'd like to share before I wrap this thing up? I don't think so, but you know, I, you know, I've listened to some of your other podcasts and I've got to be honest, I really like what you're doing. I think we fit the model. You know, I think this is it's a world where I always tell people, Rod, that, you know, when I talk to investment bankers and people on the East Coast and the West Coast, you know, and they're always like farmers. And I always tell them, I said, what other industry touches every consumer, every mouth in America three times a day other than agriculture? And, you know, I try to enlighten them that bringing technology to this group of people isn't a new idea. Like, I, I wish I could say I'm some genius who's decided to bring this to farming. Farmers were always the innovators. They've always been the innovators. 
they are how we moved from rural to suburban to urban communities, right? They're everything. So I love being able to have a product that's technologically advanced and being able to bring it to a community I highly respect. And I think what you're doing in your podcast, and I think the whole notion that farming is the most innovative industry we have really in the United States, I think it's completely true. And I think I think it's great what you're doing, and we're just happy to be a part of it. Well, thank you, Mick. I appreciate the compliment. I really appreciate your time. We're going to wrap this up. For those of you who are listening, thank you for tuning in. I hope you found this to be interesting like I did. Guys, if you found value in what we do, please give us a rating. Give us a share. You can always find us on any of our platforms. Our flagship is still Facebook at A Better Way to Farm. We have a whole bunch of videos up there to help you make better decisions and make a little more money. And we also are available on TikTok for some short film-type clips. And we do love doing our podcast more than anything in the world. And, guys, I'd encourage you to swing by a betterwaytofarm.com, take the profit calculator and say, hey, what can I find out on here that I can implement in 2023 to make myself a little more money? Thank you guys for tuning in. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Mick, for your time. And we're going to wrap this up and just say, as usual, guys, we really do hope you're having a better day. A better way to farm.com. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.